Hello, everybody, and welcome to Pod Crash, the original podcast by the members of the band Mo. This is episode number nine. Number nine. Number nine. On this episode, the band has the unique privilege of interviewing um, me. So sit back, do whatever you do to relax, and listen along as the guys try to figure out what makes Jim Jim. This is Rob Durhack with Mo. I'm here with Vinny Amico. Good morning. Hey, I'm here with Al Schneer. <laughs> yep, I'm here with Jim Lachlan. I've been ruined the whole thing. I don't know what to say. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here with Chuck Garvey. Yo. <laughs> yo. Finally, we get a yo. All right, silence. This is Mo's Pod Crash, episode number nine. Number nine. Number nine. I'm uh, I'm a little bit I'm a little bit hazy this morning. I don't know. Not much sleep last night, but uh, I know what's today. Today's game day for Al, so he's today. And Vin already. And Vin, sorry. Right. Been jonesing for a week and a half. I know you were like the bigger Bills fan at the start of this whole thing, and then Al's just sort of uh, become like more public about it than you. So he turned into the Bills guy. I came out of the closet. Hell's <laughs> our official sports guy now somehow. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, everybody still hates you for being a Yankees fan. Uh, this is true. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what. All of a sudden, it was like a sports explosion. No, nobody told me. <laughs> <laughs> you had a Cincinnati Reds hat for a minute. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just that's where I, where I lived. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> is that so I, you could find your way home you couldn't that's, remember yeah that's right so people could return them at least back to the right city yeah. Yeah. get on this bus kid <laughs> today uh we are going to interview our resident percussionist jim lachlan all right let's get going with this so what the f <laughs> <laughs> This is JG rated. <laughs> working on it. I'm working on my G rating. All right, let's start with the basics. James Peter. Peter. James Peter, Peter Edward Lachlan. Peter, you have two middle names? A confirmation well, name. Confirmation. Yeah. Oh. JPED. Oh, that's horrible. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't like that. Born. October 14th, 1970. 1970. Yeah. The only member in of the Mass band Pequa? born in the 70s. I was born in birthday. Pequa? No, I was born in the city. Pre- I was Queens. Pre- oh, really? Not yeah. not Freeport? No, I kept because going west for the hospitals. I was uh, I was born in Freeport. In Freeport? Yeah. It's funny when we lived in Queens, Ben was born in Brooklyn. <laughs> those sayings like you, you you went to where like you went to a hospital like the the one they told you to go to and that yeah it's necessarily the closest one. <laughs> no, because I I don't know why I wasn't born on even in Nassau County. At least I don't think I was. I could be completely wrong. Okay, 
But, but when this airs, John will text me and be like, dude, you're an idiot. You, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You were born you in the kitchen. You know where you're born? I, I, w- I don't remember it. So I, w- I was young then. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so, but, but <clears throat> your, your whole, not your whole life, but your, uh, through your, through high school, you're in the entire time in Massapequa? Yes. Plain Edge High. Well, I graduated from Plain Edge High School. I went to Chaminade as well. I lived in the same house my whole my whole life. Right. On the link. The link. The link. The link. Yeah. On the, the Chanelers. Yeah. So Massapequa was famous. I shouldn't say Massapequa was famous. There are other famous people besides you from Massapequa, correct? This is correct. The, this is another thing about Massapequa is there's Massapequa, Massapequa yeah. Park, and North Massapequa. Oh, geez. So. Which one's the cool one? Not mine. <laughs> I, 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 I grew up in North Massapequa. Um, the main local public high school was Plain Edge High School, and we uh, have Steve Gutenberg. Oh, but if you go to like Massapequa High School, was Jerry Seinfeld, the Baldwins. Um, the Baldwins might have went to Burner. I can't remember. And uh, yeah, most of the the most of the famous people from Massapequa are on the south side of Sunrise Highway. Uh, okay, Where, is it south side, north side? Is yeah, it like, south side of like, the tracks. Because the like south money yes. and then blue collar. Yeah, south side's closer to the water. So once you cross yeah. Sunrise Highway or the Long Island Railroad tracks, you headed south. You're in somewhat nicer part of Massapequa. I mean, it's a suburb, so it's all really the same, but. Yeah, but I don't know. Vince having a conniption. <laughs> I got flies. <laughs> so, so what's this? So tell us, tell us quickly the um, what is that? The you you made a distinction between Plain Edge and Chaminade. A uh, Chaminade's a private. Chaminade's a the uh, the private or Catholic all boy high school. Oh, yeah, fun. Yeah. So like Hank and Young. Yeah. I, I, well, I had to wear a suit, but I think it still is. Yeah, I'm not sure. <laughs> you know, again, it's Roman Catholic, so there's a specific group of uh, brothers because there's a Shamanad College in Hawaii run by the same. Um, I don't know what you call them. Jesuits or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they weren't Jesuits. Monks? I forget what they were, but yeah, it's a specific group of brothers, priests, and it was uh, a, a, an all male catholic high school high standards like 75 was below 75 was failing mm. when when i was there it sounds like my kids high school except uh they have the same like standards yeah but it, uh it's higher than what this the public high school standard is even that you know so you have trimester exams and then finals and all that stuff is of a higher or according to them of a higher standard than what like regents would be and all that stuff in public high school. Sure. So did you, and did you go there by choice? It, yeah, accidentally. <laughs> I, 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 I wanted to, uh, there was a hand. Yeah, I, a bad choice. A <laughs> I, I went to, so I went first through eighth grade. I went to a Catholic school. It seemed the next step would be to go to a Catholic high school. And there was a handful of them across long Island. I picked Shamana because of the soccer program. Mm. So Samanad St. John's and there was another one that I was looking to to go to. And then I just kind of defaulted into it. I didn't I didn't know how a how strict the school was, which was the the problem that I ran into. 
<laughs> so it was sort of like at the last minute and all of a sudden finding all about more about the high school and stuff i was like oh my god i don't know if i want to go here but then it was i was kind of there so, already so you you chose that i did that was that was your choice yeah oh, okay but he made that choice before he became a degenerate. Yes, right. exactly. Well, yeah. <laughs> and then I found myself there as a degenerate. That was right. maybe maybe delinquent is a bit so not hold a degenerate. On. Yeah, You're yeah. more delinquent than degenerate. Hey Jim, did, um, did Oh sorry, go ahead, Rob. That school, you feel like that going making that choice and being there was key to your delinquentism? No. You think that, that that pushed you in a specific direction, just like uh having to deal with all the over overarching rules and all the all the shit that you had to all the stuff that was well one of the things was you you definitely had to be um, that springboard you to your natural state i should say <laughs> no i think my natural state collided with their natural state is kind of what happened I, I it was just one of those things where you don't my elementary school like i said it was a catholic elementary school and there was only 60 kids total like in my what? class so wow. it was two classrooms of just 30 kids for each grade that was about the average some of them were a little smaller some of them were a little larger so your relationship with teachers in that situation is a lot different because you know them so like talking back to them is a little <laughs> they're a little more lenient you know they understand personalities they know the kids that they're teaching right. so you sort of if you're if you lean towards that kind of attitude you get a little more leeway in in Chaminade, you get zero leeway so that was <laughs> you know a handful of detentions and then you sort of think of um in a school like that you think of unique ways to be bad as it were <laughs> you know so um what one of the years that one of the kids brought in his own padlock and locked those clappy laughing jaws in the locker and shut it and just turned them on forever. And so once all the kids were out of the hallway, cause there's 5,000, 6,000 kids in the hallway in between classes, then everybody goes into the class, the hallway becomes really quiet and you just hear <laughs> And it's one of those sounds that's like omnidirectional. So it took them a half hour at least to figure out which locker it was coming from. And then they had to call the janitor and uh, use a bolt cutter to get into the locker just to solve this this problem um so it was all sorts of things like that but i i just i had an issue with with discipline or a tie <laughs> yeah i don't yeah exactly i didn't i didn't do well with that so it, so were were you there when uh chris and rub were there i was yeah they're Did only you, uh, joe and you you knew joe did you know chris too? i did not i didn't know any of those guys and uh gotcha in in high school i knew joe right joe graduated i did not maybe explain who those people yeah, are then who'd you yeah. tell our listeners who you're talking about so, so joe chaneller was jim's neighbor next door neighbor yeah and chris thomas was another roommate of mine in college and also one of our friend group and right. when they came to i met them actually at uh orientations and the orientation wasn't like the day before school it was like this, earlier this in, in summer wait, let me interrupt for a second so this is yeah. in buffalo yeah this is at ub yeah. right. okay so um at ub oh and right. they came to they came to the orientation looking to party as did i and nobody else so <laughs> like we immediately found each other and just got wrecked the whole 
orientation. That's great. And you wound up, I mean, you guys all wound up playing music together at some point too, correct? Yeah. 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 Well, first we ended up, I, I didn't end up rooming, rooming with them my freshman year, but I found them the first day and then we all just were part of the crew. And then right. we all, you know, started hanging and playing music. And actually Joe would sing in uh, one of the bands I was in my freshman year, uh, 38D. So he would <laughs> come and sing a bunch of tunes. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then Chris started playing guitar. I mean, he may have already been playing, but he started getting more into it as we were living off campus and playing in basements and all that stuff. So, right. and you, yep. I mean, Jim that's how I met Ben is right. through Joe. All right. It's actually how I ended up going to Buffalo is because yeah. I knew Joe was up there and I had another friend who was going to school there. So I was like, all right, it's and it all comes together. I'll go. To and Buffalo. when he, when you came to look at the school, he ended up staying with us Yeah, up there. So he, it was instantly indoctrinated into our crew. So and then you when guys, he just, wait, wait. So, so you, you two met when Jim, when you were a senior in high school? No, cause I didn't, no. I was a transfer student to Buffalo. Oh, I would okay. have been tech- right. I would have been a junior in college. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, okay, right. So I forgot. Yeah, so you were you were going for music originally, right? Yeah. Right. I, so I there's there's that whole chapter. That is, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I went to uh so Shamanad asked me to leave or they suggested that <laughs> I technically get expelled. But they were like, you're not. Basically, I had acquired too many demerits in two years that I was also not on the roster for next year. Yeah, they're like, you're not going to make it. Odds are you aren't graduating from here. So you might as well go now. Because your, your demerits off your first year, they fall off. After your second year, they don't. That was the problem was my second year. Double so, secret probation. Yeah, pretty much. And they were like, you know, so my dad just withdrew you, me. Did you get in trouble? Her career turn out. No, my what? Your soccer career. I, I was I I mean I I played soccer and I wrestled for uh for shaman on both when I went there until my father withdrew me I was sitting in class and and uh one of the runner kids you know they work for the administrative office whatever on their lunch break or whatever the brown nose kids <laughs> um <laughs> comes to the class and he's like he, he, I, we need uh Mr. Lachlan in the principal's office his, his father is here and I was like oh my God, why would my father come to school? Just So I'm like shaking, walking out into the hallway. And I'm like, why is my father here? And he's, the kid's like, I think he's here to withdraw you from the school. And I was like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and sure enough, we he withdrew me from the school, drove to Plainage High School. And I finished from lunch to the end of the day in a different high school. And that's <laughs> all my friends went to Plainage. That's the other thing. Wow. Like everybody in my neighborhood, none... No one I really hung out with went to Shamanad. Um, like a, there was a couple guys that I played soccer with, whatever. But all of like all the guys I hung out with went to Plain Edge, and mm. so all of a sudden I was in Plain that's, Edge. And that's then super I dramatic. Yeah, it was crazy. It was a weird day. <laughs> all of a sudden I was like, "Hey guys, that's like what's weird up?" Day. Like walk into a classroom and people are like, "What are you doing here?" Like I go to school here now. Like I go here now. <laughs> and then I in Plain Edge, I I took. Well, a year and a half, a, a summer semester, and then a, my entire senior year at a cultural arts center, like a music performance, half of the day was spent there. So I decided, you know, I would major in music in college. My first attempt was at the Queens College, the Aaron Copeland School of Music. And I just, that was, I was driving to school every day and my classes would get out at four o'clock and I'd drive home from college to home. And it was like, 
an hour and a half, two hour drive. It took me 20 minutes to get there in the morning. Mm -hmm. So I dropped out. I went into the administration's office. I was like, I need to withdraw from some classes. And she's like, okay. And I hand her the punch card. She's like, this is all your classes. I was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I went to Nassau Community College and completed a semester there and then transferred to, to Buffalo and started as a music Yeah. Started as a music major. That didn't pan out. <laughs> well, it did. Well, uh, yeah. It's weird because that was the time they didn't have, I was playing bass and they didn't have an electric bass program. So I had to audition as a percussionist and I didn't know how to tune a timpani. So I didn't make it. So they were like, you could take these classes or whatever, but you're still not a music major until you pass the audition. And I'm like, fine. One of the classes was the big band at, for the university and I was playing bass and I was, you know, I still had my drums up in Buffalo and everything. And that's when I met you guys. And that's that first year. And then I dropped out a buffalo <laughs> then i was right. playing with you guys but the director of the band wouldn't let me he was like i still need you in the bass chair for right. a semester and i'm like you don't <laughs> even go to this school <laughs> he's like it's all right don't worry about it no yeah. no yeah, music teachers don't care yeah the, yeah and the next the semester i was like i can't do this i'm taking a right. chair away from somebody this is ridiculous like so but, but didn't you go to didn't you transfer from from UB to Buff State yeah. and then back again at one point. Yeah. Well, I went to then <laughs> when I was playing with, with you guys and I ended up moving to the west side uh, of Buffalo for some reason. I was like, I want to take a couple more classes. So I enrolled in uh, like four classes at, at Buff State and mm -hmm. did a semester uh, going to Buff State. I don't even remember what they were. I know one was like a music appreciation or like an intro to, because I had to take it if I was going to continue. Right. I'm like, fine. Far out. <laughs> Let was... me ask you another question about, about that time frame. I have this, this vague memory of, and I think it was the Philo house maybe. Were you living on somebody's porch for a while? I was, I, that was, so that was, was when, when I lived. met you? Yeah, with, I lived with Skip and rich at the time and my okay. my room yeah was like like the three season porch sort of yeah it was like yeah. the mud room for the patio it was like where you would sit when it was bad weather just inside of the the outside porch. and this is on the second right. the second floor it was a whole so you can get in my room if you walk through the living room out the onto the porch and back around and through another door or you can get <laughs> get in my room from inside the house it was like I'm sure it was up to code. Oh, yeah. The, the room <laughs> that I lived in at 325 with with Joe and those guys was like a closet. It was literally like a walk-in closet. It was I was the only one who could fit in there. We got to love college housing. Yeah. Is that like across from Haywood's room? Yeah. Is that the one? Yeah. All was, right that was when came up the stairs where Randy's right. old room. Oh, right, I mean, right, right. Ceiling, you, uh, it was an that's right. ceiling. You couldn't even stand <laughs> up. You could only stand up in like a quarter of the room. Did you ever get chiefed? No. That's a good thing about having a small hidden room. You have to uh, explain. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't the, snake, didn't the snake tank take up like half your room? This, too? Yes. Okay. I just remember walking in and it was like all snake. Yeah. That was. <laughs> then I had to move it out into the hallway. What does it mean when one gets chief? <laughs> chief. Uh, he was a dude. One of the guys, Vin and I used to hang out with was. Uh, he was uh, a sleepwalker when he was drunk, and oh. he was walking around looking for a bathroom. <laughs> oh, was the reason? So he'd find them. They just weren't 
in the bathroom. So, so that all that all started my freshman year, his sophomore year, and he lived with a couple of the guys in 38D. He he was the bass player, and then he lived with. Uh, I don't want to get too specific about. Yeah, that. a couple <laughs> other guys, and uh, he was bartending at Broadway Joe's. So he'd drive home from Joe's to the dorms to Ellicott, and then you know come up. We'd all be partying in the room, and he'd go right to bed. And they had like the bunk section over in another section, like kind of off with the sheets, you know, and he like, we'd be partying and hanging out and he'd wake up and just walk around over to the corner of a room and be like, whip it out and pee. <laughs> it's like, that was oh, the year. The chief, the chief is putting out fires again. So that's kind of where he got the name. That's the, that, right. Hence chief. <laughs> the fire, fire chief, chief putting uh, out fires well so didn't i think where were, were we where was the uh house where we were sleeping under the ping pong table i was thinking that about was that. the night of the saint saint bon adventure that's right and we got cheap all that somebody arrestations <laughs> yes yeah. i think it was a pool guy. table but i thought it was a ping pong table ping, yeah. ping pong just yeah, because for some some safe, safe yeah. space to go sleep. <laughs> I I slept in the same room, but Al was. Uh, it was. Uh, I was ground. under the ping pong table with Al. We we were snuggling. <laughs> no, but Al was. Had, was. Um, what's it called? Drowned zero. Drowned <laughs> <laughs> zero. Because yeah. I got chiefed. Yeah, I actually know the guy who did that. <laughs> and didn't did. find out until turns out i went to shamanad with him years <laughs> later no he was a friend of dan sorgan fry who was a buff state guy that i had met in uh, i remember that name yeah he was an El elmira guy so he knew you know friends of ours from elmira but he went to buff state okay. so he'd come and hang out every once in a while so one of his buddies from buff state ended up being the guy who chiefed on you at that party <laughs> Well, you know, what's uh, you know, weird. I, I remember you saying Dan Sorgan Fry like a hundred times back in the day. I never met him. I don't know who he is, but right. I just thought his name was peculiar and weird. And then we were playing, uh, you know, like before before Vinny was back playing drums with us, we're playing at a I think we're playing at the haunt in Ithaca. And somebody had written some like seriously derogatory uh, graffiti on the back wall about Dan Sorgan Fry. <laughs> There's going to be another Dan Sorgan fry. Right. Well, That's weird because he he's in he's come to shows well, in Portland. He lives in, he's in Oregon, yeah. Yeah, he's in Oregon now. I never associated him with Ithaca, but hey. Yeah, it's not far. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, Elmira's not too far from there. No, that is true. Um, so, Tim, were you ever, before you played in Mo, what bands were you actually a gigging member of? Were you part of a, a consistent band before? No. No, I I played, you know, I in seventh grade I had a band. It was just me and my my buddies, and we play in my garage. Did you have a name? No, please. Oh, come on. <laughs> I I think I had two names for the band that no one ever we never used. It was never the only place we ever played was my brother's bar once in in the middle of the day. So we I I want one of the names I wanted to call the band was Avenger. <laughs> And the other was. Did you also have the logo that you worked like on? 70, 80s metal shit. Oh, yeah. Yeah. This yeah. is. 
Oh, oh yeah. Priest. I didn't have Priest. a logo for Avenger, but I had a logo for uh, Valar or the Valar, which was, of course, a Tolkien reference. <laughs> so there was that in it. And I, <laughs> I had the whole, I mean, I had the font and everything and, you know, several notebooks in, in eighth How grade. And- Entertaining. Yes. Ooh, well, I see what <laughs> you did there. Thank you. Thank you. And so then in, when I was at Nassau Community, and there was a couple other bands. I played in a, like a U2 uh, cult cover band that the singer was just unbelievable. This dude sounded exactly like Bono. It was crazy. And he could do all. We did Public Image Limited tunes and the cult and uh, tons of U2 songs. So, that so were was, you a full-time member of that band? Yeah, and then I just stopped showing up to rehearsals. We <laughs> played the Battle of the Bands at high school, and then I just, I just kind of stopped going. Um, no, this is lame. No official. These guys. Well, the drummer was like, "I'd like to withdraw from some of my classes." <laughs> <laughs> they, they, all these guys were in their twenties, and I was a senior in high school. And they didn't even graduate. Well, two of them might have graduated from the high school that I went to. But that so like this was my high school battle of the bands band was a bunch of, you know, one of them was already balding and that kind of thing. Like they just, <laughs> you know, when someone in their 20s, when you're in high school, just looks so much older than you. They were clearly. All right, all right, all know. right. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, and then at Nassau Community College, I used to jam with uh, two guys. Dave Burns and and Johnny Campbell in, in my wait what yeah yeah Dave, <laughs> I knew Dave Burns in college I went to college his fa- actually I knew him before that his father was my jazz improv teacher in high school and like you started hanging out with him when I went to Nassau Community College and then I hadn't seen him for years and then I go to do a Lynch gig and Dave's playing guitar. Wow. And, and Dave was originally the drummer. He was the drummer in the Nassau Community. He's an amazing swing jazz drummer. That's awesome. Yeah. I was like, what the hell are you? So, yeah, I've known Dave for, for, for that long. His dad was the, he was the best, man. His dad was the greatest. He'd see smoke in the classroom. He didn't just, he'd set, they moved the piano all the way to, to next to the window. And he would just smoke while teaching. And it'd be a bottle of Diet Pepsi on the ground next to his ashtray. And he'd start getting into playing and his right foot would be banging around and he'd kick the ashtray over and he'd spill the pet. So in his <laughs> classroom, there was like this forever stain of this ash Pepsi amalgam. Uh, that was, it was just so him. Room like, floor. Yeah. When he went to get the job for the school, they were like, do you have a resume? You know, he's like, I, you're looking for a teaching position. I, I'd like to, to work here. They said, do you have a resume? And he looked up at the, the, Legends of Jazz book that was on the shelf, reached up, pulled it down, flipped through a couple pages, and like, this is me. And they're like, all right, you got the job. <laughs> this is a picture of him and Dizzy Gillespie hanging out, like, okay. Jesus. What did you play for? What was your first instrument? The bass. I started as a bass player. That was like, A, no one else would do it. You know, when right. I started the band, I was like, oh, I'll be the singer. And then I knew a guitar player, I knew a drummer. And I was like, all right, well, uh, we need a bass player, so I'll play the bass. And then it always sounded awesome in, in church. So I was like, yeah, I can down with that. So when you first started playing with Mo, was there ever a point where you were just like, Rob absolutely blows. I need to, I, you're going to gun for my job and find another drummer. Like, were you ever like taking 
<laughs> I, I have to get rid of this dude. I want to be the best I can do this. Band. Nick, no, actually. I told you, like, when I first, the first thing I heard from you guys was the intro to Dr. Graffenberg. And it was like, you know, here, learn these songs. And I heard that and I'm like, I almost wanted to try to figure it out. I was like, oh my God, that is so fucking cool. Maybe I'll just work on and figure that out. And then I'll start learning the drums for the, <laughs> like there was all those initial bass lines were one of the things that I was like, yeah, I, I can definitely, this would be really cool. That spine of a dog. Um, but at some point you must've just been like bored with it and like, okay, I need to take over for this guy. <laughs> <laughs> That's when he All withdrew right. from the glasses. Yeah. <laughs> and started playing with Yoke. I need- <laughs> That's later on. No, I, I honestly never had. Uh, I don't, even now, like when I first came back into the band and been playing all the old songs that I was the original drummer on, like even that was like super interesting to hear like to me that some of the changes i was like oh my god I, why didn't i do that like that <laughs> that kind of fits a lot better where i was just like oh! <laughs> <laughs> i couldn't play your parts so i always just made up my own but then it was, just playing is just a straight beat through it never even crossed my mind in certain things <laughs> that's the thing you're like oh my but yeah god, you, you would you would do these things it's and the feel is so decidedly different. But it's funny when we play those songs in particular, like the ones you're talking about, the ones where you both have played drums on them. And all of a sudden, like my mind goes back 25 years and we're playing this. Like I have to change to the part that I used to play 25 years ago because all of our parts have evolved too, too so that all of the keystones fit where they're supposed to. It's now weird. because rhythmically everything's a little bit different than it was 25 years ago when you and Rob had this other thing and everything locked in in this different way than it does today. And they like they they both groove in their and locked in in their own very different way. But where the guitars would fit, for example, are like two entirely different yes. places. And it's like, oh, shit. I was like, I would have to, to, it's I it's crazy because, back, you know, when I used to when I was drumming Rob's lines, my goal was like to almost play Rob's lines on the kit, you know, at least between the kick and the snare, you know, so it ended up with, Good like, luck with that. <laughs> But it ends up with like a really busy left hand and, you know, like a lot of footwork and stuff and like just trying to get it really tight. And then when we started playing high moves and both of us approached those I don't know songs. what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> it was a whole completely different approach, which was, was again, like really interesting. The two of us just coming, you know, doing stuff 15 years later. And it's like two different approaches to to how we used to be as reckless youth. Right. Now you're somewhat tempered middle-aged men. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Somewhat. Well, we know how, I mean, obviously you ended up becoming our drummer and you didn't really have a real band until then. Not that we were actually a real band, but um we thought we were anyhow at the time uh so from from that point on you well what happened was you had replaced um our original drummer ray schwartz who went on to bigger and better things (laughs) and we love him still you were still in college correct 
at that point. I was I still in college. Yeah. Yes. I was hanging on by a um, Al. No, Al was out of college at that point. Al, I was yeah, I was yeah. a successful college graduate, well on my way to a to a promising career as a <laughs> graphic artist working the third shift at a community newspaper. <laughs> yeah. From that point on, we we could probably skip through all the uh, the the Buffalo gigs, or I don't know. Do we want to relive that stuff? I remember, yeah, actually, if anyone could relive it the best, it would probably be you because for some reason you had the clearest head of. I don't know why I remember all that stuff. Right. That's I don't, well, I, you I don't know. You could be a nasty drinker back then, too. Yeah. Yeah. At the time and of the life. You have the best memory of. I don't, I don't like, yeah. The times in my life that I just, just should not <laughs> have no right remembering is what I remember the clearest. So that, yeah. the first gig that I did with you guys at the scrapyard, um, it was us, Monkey Wrench, Scary Chicken, and another local like high school band. And <laughs> oh no, this wasn't that gig. <laughs> this was just us, Monkey Wrench, and Scary Chicken. And I'm playing. It, it, I just vividly remember playing. Well, I remember playing Flow. I remember one of the things I remember was my china completely fell on top of me, and uh, Tim O'Brien came and <laughs> pulled it off me in the middle of the show. So we videotaped the show. And we went and watched it. And in, in flow, in the middle of flow, I flipped the beat completely. So I'm playing on every off. And you guys are still playing and trucking along. And I'm completely off the thing. And I remember watching the video and turning to you guys and be like, why didn't anyone say anything? <laughs> like it's, I was, it's ska. <laughs> I was so far <laughs> gone in the song. And I'm like, how did you guys? I was so bad. Like, first of all how am I still sitting here talking to you guys watching this tape after <laughs> this being my first show? And secondly, nobody turned around and said anything like, dude, you're, you're way off. <laughs> like just not something. And it was, it was always just a mess. As far as like the sound on stage, nobody knew what was going on. We just back I'm, then, Jim, we didn't like listen to each other and play. We just played and got, to, it was like the first person to the end was, you know, the winner. Winner. <laughs> it, was, it was also the time, like this was my first live gig in front of people, like on a stage with the band as well. So, you know, what do you want in your monitor? Everything. Well, like, monitor, I can't already, yeah. Yeah, I can't already right. hear everything. Like, yeah, give me a guitar. I want both the guitars, all the vocals, the bass. I want my whole fucking kit. And, like, that's right in front of me. What am I doing? You know, so the, my monitor mix is just, and that's it. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, playing. That's the pretty much. It was horrible. Yeah, if someone asked me what I wanted in my monitor back then, I'd be like, I don't know, some chips and some beer. Okay. Yeah, I had no idea. And I like finished the song. I felt great after that whole show. I was like psyched, you know. Killed it. Yeah. I'm like, that was awesome, man. And then watching the video, I'm like, oh my God, why? How are these guys still talking to me? God. We forgot. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't notice. Thought it was an artistic choice. It was. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get it next time. Like, wow, this guy's cool. He's breaking bar oh. lines left and right. <laughs> that's what. Well, that's what I thought jazz was. That was it. My jazz background. Like, oh, he's got a little, little different interpretation of the feel here. I get, I get it. Scrapyard was actually a, um, was like a step up gig for us. Oh yeah. Because we'd play at. Um, I mean, we were psyched to get that because that was like the bigger room or whatever and. Uh, we were playing, we're still playing in these punk like rooms. Like there was never, there wasn't even a such thing as jam band at that point. So no. that was where they would get like ska bands and harder rock bands and stuff. Right. 
but like our local that wasn't the local playing that wasn't the local um venue the local venues for us were uh broadway joe's and essex street pub and didn't you live right near essex street or on it i lived across the street well on it like caddy corner or whatever you call steve lived above oh yeah that's right and i lived yeah. you know if you walk out and cross franklin that was right there. I'm trying to remember how we would fit your drum kit in the corner of that. I was up um, against the window. I would go okay. all the way till like my throne <laughs> and my back would maybe two inches from the window. If I turned really fast, my elbow would hit hit the window. It was like that place in 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 West Virginia. I had to put oh. the soundboard behind me. I knew exactly where you're going. <laughs> yeah. I knew exactly I where like you were Squeezed in with the, and I was doing the all the sound, you know, during sound check. Like, yeah. And, and that's the place we drove to Montana from. See, I remember all this shit, and I don't know why. That's insane. Right. I remember, like, from Essex Street, I remember a couple of things. I remember, I remember there being a Guinness guy who would come in a truck in a Guinness van. Oh, yeah. yeah. And he would have a keg in the middle of his van. Yeah. And, it was, and like you would just go out there like before the show and sit in his van and drink like a hundred Guinness and get like hammered and then come and play the show yeah, with a pitcher of Guinness next to me. Like, how can you have a keg van legally and drive around and just get people hammered in a keg van? That I didn't know. Had, like, and it a was Guinness logo on the side. Yeah, it was, and, and it was like it was that brown. Guinness, right? Yeah, he was a Guinness rep. The paint job was Guinness. Like it looked like it was faded, like yeah. Guinness in a mug. Like, Went all the way around, and in the back, oh, there that. was like couches and a freaking kegerator of Guinness in the back that. of the van. Yeah. I loved it. All right. I love I remember, it. so I remember playing there with, it wasn't, uh, with the Groove, I guess, right? Was it the yeah, Groove or the Moon groove. groove at that point? I think they were still the Grooves, which is Peter Prince's band. And then ultimately, they became moon boot yeah and do we were alan alan and neil were playing with him at that point i remember it was alan, like alan neil and the bass player who i replaced as the ub jazz ensemble yeah. bassist i can't remember his name though he was yeah they had a bass not john was it right john so i'm talking something? about alan and neil evans who ultimately wound up in soul live used to play in this band in buffalo at this place essex street pub and they were kids i mean alan was was Still in high school, I think, when he started. Neil with used that to have band, to stand correct? at the back of the bar. Like he, oh, it was to, Neil. Okay, yeah, and uh, Neil, you used to have to stand all the way at the back of the bar near where the the bathrooms were, and you know, if you're looking straight from where the band would set up all the way that back wall, he'd have to stand there yeah, until he, they played, because that's he was the furthest point from the bar. Yeah, yeah. He was yeah. like 15. Yeah, I was gonna say it was like a ninth or tenth like grade, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He was a kid, yeah. man. <laughs> yeah, that was crazy. Yeah, so they were still in high school at that point. Oh, yeah. Um, I remember that. And then the other thing that like, I'll never forget about Essex Street is the the old sailor dude. Um, and I, <laughs> he was I remember a, a, a sailor. No, but you know what I mean? He wore, the, he wore that, the, the captain's cap. The, he had the, the thing just like the skipper. on. He was he like was a, a merchant marine, marine or something. Yeah, that dude who was the who was the racist contrarian dude who used yeah. to push my buttons all the time and I couldn't <laughs> let it go. Lived for and, it. Yeah, and he, he would just to... get fucking hammered at the bar and then just say something to get under my skin because he yeah. I don't, like it wasn't and he wasn't doing it just he would do it to anybody who was listening and willing to he argue was, with him. Well, and he was okay. So he was an artist. He was guys. like a famous artist. That's right, a yeah. different guy. Howie. 
which I think is his name, is the guy who was like the Merchant Marine and the the, the painting that they have of. Yeah, the painting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that was a yeah. different guy. That was the dude who used yeah. to. He'd order a Labatt's Blue. He'd do Boilermakers. He'd drink Boilermakers right. of Labatt's Blue mm-hmm. and a shot of like well whiskey, and mm-hmm. and they'd always try to stop him, like from pouring the whiskey. I don't know why it's a drink, but um, and he didn't <laughs> talk much. The painter nope. was the racist obnoxious oh gotcha drunk okay dude. and i just like conflated the two of them yes. somehow and he has like <laughs> okay, paintings yeah. in albright knox museum and in other museums around the world apparently and i saw him sober once yeah walking yeah. down once. down the street and he <laughs> like is a complete was a completely different person it's like 11 in the morning right. but i couldn't like it was one of those things where i couldn't let it go he would say one of those things just yeah. like just to do it and it's like i couldn't let it go well he was, was like, also like okay. specifically an anti-semite Oh yeah, yeah. Right. I remember him going up to uh, Ray, and it was every time we played there when Ray was uh, drumming for us, he'd be like, "You know, yeah." Oh my god! Dude. And Ray would just be like, he would just laugh. He's like, "What?" <laughs> you know, he made him, he turned it into this whole freaking like arc story arc of this guy. I don't know if he was truly that way, or if he just thought that you know it was his performance art to do that and that's the thing i didn't know if it was like his like an andy kaufman kind of thing or like i i didn't know but i couldn't let it go i think he was truly a racist yes i think he was an absolute i mean just belligerent drunk racist yeah 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 it it was too much anyway and i wasn't gonna i wasn't standing for it so what did you do i would just yell back at him i mean i would argue with him about it and why it wasn't cool man It would get my it would get my dander up. Whatever, just one of the things I remember about us. There was a lot of a lot a lot of conflicting things that happened at those bars. That oh yeah, to all of us. Um, I don't think there's enough time and there's not and that's the thing. There's not enough time to cover the entire arc of Jim's history with our band (laughs) and the whole thing. I will I will add this. This there's something I do want to touch on quickly. I. When, when we discuss whether or not we would be interviewing you today, I went to uh, Wikipedia. How much does he earn? So there is no Wikipedia page for Jim. Wow. And he knows it. I know. I knew that you would know this. Why do you know that, Jim? <laughs> I, I mean, I have nothing to do with it. I just, well, first of all. I feel like you do. No, I, I, <laughs> I'm not complaining about the fact that there isn't one. But right. yours all got made when I wasn't in the band. I came back into the right. band. No one, you know, it's all good. No one made one. No one made one. All right. One. I just figured it was part of your... Tomorrow, there'll be one up on phone. Well, <laughs> I mean... And I'm sorry. One tomorrow. No, no, no one really knows anything. There's nothing that, that, you know... I don't I don't know. I don't live very public. So, this is probably the most... <laughs> right. That's why I thought it was... I thought it was intentional on your part. And it would not surprise me if there was a blanket of security somehow over your... <laughs> domain. If I could figure out... Yes how to do it i would i mean if right, i didn't have to, to be sort of even on facebook like instagram all that stuff yeah. if i didn't have to I, I don't think i would so it's I nice know. not to have a wikipedia page all right well my i guess my question was did you have something to do with it and the answer is no 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 okay well i believe you if there was one I don't, <laughs> if i if i could do something about it i might but <laughs> there, there's, i also there's never been that. one so we got gigging. Jim was a drummer. How much? How much thought did you have to give to um, our grand idea to move to Albany and go full time at this? None. 
I know. I remember at the time I wanted to get out of Buffalo. I, I, I can't specifically remember why. I know I, I can wanted. probably tell you, but <laughs> I mean, I, I, I wasn't. It wasn't um, helping me being in in a in a city where you can drink for a night on ten dollars. <laughs> um, you also didn't have a couch, and you weren't that, allowed to have a couch. That's true. But I, I, I think at that point I was uninvolved. <laughs> Oh really? I think so. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you were. It, yeah, that was awkward as it was anyway. So we won't get into that. But, um, <laughs> so yeah, I wanted to get out of Buffalo, and I definitely. I mean, I had. I was. I. I took Chuck's old job at the Italian restaurant as a dishwasher during lunch hours for four dollars an <laughs> hour, and it was like nice. Two hours of work. And food. Yeah. And food. And free lunch. That was really the only reason I worked there was free lunch every day. Because I made like eight bucks. I'd work like two, maybe three hours. Maybe I'd make $12, get a free sandwich, spend uh, half of it on cigarettes on the walk home. (laughs) 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 Just stop by the store, buy a pack of smokes, that's half my money, and then walk home. And, uh... So yeah, I had nothing going. I had no reason to want to stay in Buffalo, so I was all for it when we started looking for uh, other places. I don't know that Albany would have, was my first. Ch- I know because we looked like it was supposed to be Brooklyn. Yeah, well, it wasn't it, right, it, but then it, it was wasn't like Woodstock choice either. Then we kept, <laughs> we started coming up. Then we started looking around Woodstock, and that's when I started thinking like, you know, I grew up in the suburbs, and I'm I'm living in a city now, and if I can't get smokes at four in the morning, we're gonna have a problem. Like <laughs> I was just thinking of all like the city conveniences that weren't gonna be. I'm like I was driving twenty minutes for groceries. This is insane. And not wanting to be in like the Woodstock area. So by the time we got like to Albany, I was like, all right, you know, there's a gas station across the street here and there's like, this is happening, whatever. So I was, I was fine with it at at that point in time. And then once we started playing all the time, I was, I was good with that. It seemed like you were at first and then from the outside, it seemed like after a while, maybe you weren't, you weren't. Because and and this this is the this is what I noticed or at least the way it seemed and 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 so for the for our listeners like this is this is the time we went from playing you know three to five nights a week to playing seven nights a week every like we we tried to play three hundred and sixty five days a year if we could and and our schedule just like once we decided we were going to do this full time that pretty that just meant all of the time to us and we all had pretty much the same work ethic and nothing else to do and just wanted to play every single day and we said yes to every gig and didn't care how long it took to get there like what you know what the amount of effort on our part there was no amount of work that we were not willing to do and it wasn't like we didn't care about the money we you know, there was n- there were no standards for it whatsoever other than <laughs> than, than it, it being a gig, and sometimes that wasn't even a qualification. It's like, oh, it's that's a, it. Right, <laughs> you're, you can play at, at this thing. So we In said fact, yes. There were a couple times where we went somewhere without a gig and just made one happen. Exactly, yes. that's what I'm saying. So it didn't even have to be a gig. It was just potential for us to be there, and then we would ask for one <laughs> when we got there. <laughs> and so we literally went from you know working you know three to five nights a week to working all of the time. And so we got to a point where we were working 
every single day and drinking every single day and driving miles every single day and setting up and tearing down and like just doing it like just being like in a touring band all of the time and the thing that I noticed is that you just got quieter and quieter and then you started reading more and more and it's like where's Jim oh Jim's Jim's in the back Jim's in his hole Jim's under the bunk Jim you know whatever it's like you were like sleeping under a, the van bench or something and and there was like it became sort of you you just became a little bit more and more withdrawn like the more we worked the more it's like you needed your own space because there was no yeah we were on top of each other 24 7 that was and there the, was no way to get it unless you crawled into a sleeping bag and put put the that you know, was put the, the thing up. like yeah. I, I i definitely became more introverted i guess i think you know through drinking when i started drinking and partying and all that stuff and it, it, like i sort of became more of an extrovert because i became more of a drunk and all that stuff and then at that point in time it when it wasn't just being with you guys all the time it was also we were just constantly constantly surrounded by people well, all, like that's the thing always with people yeah there's and no escape we're staying at people's plate houses where there's just always and i, I yeah <laughs> i just kind of that and like i was drinking a lot then i mean i remember trying to quit at some point and then that and that didn't pan out <laughs> and it i i just like it, it put me in a in a in a mind and it just not not a good headspace so i just continued i definitely continued to withdraw and withdraw more and more and more and i just sit and read and write and that's so just as a means of like self-preservation pretty or, much like, for your own yeah well i mean I, I i i always have to you know i just i have like uh a mental disposition or whatever that you know it just causes problems that i always have to deal with whatever so at the yeah at that point in time and i didn't i didn't i just i knew that i just wanted to keep playing and that was all that i wanted to do you know and i wasn't so though i just those were the moments that you know i live for it's just getting on stage once everything was set up and we we're ready and we can play then everything was fine for those three and a half hours or whatever and, and it's it's funny because that's still the case today yeah you know and i and i like have to convey that to people i'm like all of the like all the work we do you know is is you know it's the meetings it's the travel it's you know the practice at home the rehearsals all this stuff the the three and a half hours that we're on stage that's yeah that's our bonus. That's our prize. Like that's not it that's not everything. the work. And everybody looks at that and go, oh, "That's what you do for work." I'm like, "Nope, <laughs> that's what we do for fun." Yes. I'm like that's that's the reward that we that's get for all the, the all the shit that we do. Yeah, it makes the work worth it. I mean, I'm still the same way that I was back then, though. Like I I still like I sit in the you know I don't drink anymore, so I I sit in the back of the bus and I read mm -hmm. and. And, you know, I don't really hang out a lot after shows because well, I don't drink anymore. And I, it's, there's too many people. Right. <laughs> it, well, like, things get again, so people-y. Right. And I, I can appreciate it if it's a matter of, you know, your, look, your own sanity, your own, yeah. your own whatever, it, whatever it takes so that you can keep playing in this band and being able to hang out with us. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I'm always like, I wish I was more like Vin because the dude can just talk to anybody and just hang out in any fucking circumstance and everything's cool like and that's and there's no problems with it or like if we're backstage and i'm there's a whole bunch of people and everybody starts coming in i can look across the room and and or at, like at, at meet and greets you know and i see vin like talking and he's like and i'm like 
just getting more and more anxious. And I'm like, oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) And like the wall, everything's just closing in on me. And I'm sitting there like, oh my God. Like, yeah, and I meanwhile, Vinny's taking off his shirt. Yeah. And <laughs> and he, like start the conversations. You know, he does what people at a meet and greet are expecting. Vin goes out and he starts talking to people and all this stuff. And I, if someone comes over and like approaches me, I'm fine and I'm almost more relaxed. But I am not about to like. The more I think about going out there and like, how, hey man, what's going on? <laughs> Thanks for coming Hi. to see me. Like, I, it's weird to me, and I can't. <laughs> I don't do well with it. I'm Jim. I'm the percussionist. Yeah, like, this is weird, man. Why y'all? I'm okay. So next time, can't pretend a stranger is a long-awaited friend. I, Neil Pert, it's man. weird. It's one of so those great we were lyrics. Living- in Albany, and um, all this stuff was crashing down around you. Your best option to deal with this was to go and join yoke yeah i didn't i mean yeah that, <laughs> this wasn't a lot of forethought you were worried about your drinking and your alcoholism and being around too many people all the time so so i so went you, and yeah made so you, exacerbated our van to a school bus. <laughs> i we weren't played, quite at rock bottom it seemed at the time like you know part of my problem was we mo uh, it was right when like Sony sort of started, you know, that talk started started going around and stuff. And I, I'm, I was thinking like I am not doing these guys any justice, and I'm not doing myself any justice. I, I wanted something heavier, and I and I thought my playing lended towards something heavier. And it, it was all those decisions were made from that point of view. And like seeing those guys, I was like, that seems like a really good fit for the way that I play and the way that I approach music. And if I end up signing some kind of contract, this could all go wrong for all of us. And that, again, my brain just made obviously worse of it than it was in reality. But that, you know, that was like the biggest push why I left and went and played with those guys. And then, yeah, that just started like... But I mean, good for you for like following, following like your heart and playing the music that you wanted to play and not making a like a smart career decision or doing it for like whatever was like a more secure benefit or whatever. But like you did it because like that was the music that you wanted to play. Yeah. Like... Like, what a great thing. Like, that's what you should be doing. That's why we do this. I mean, that was the, definitely the, that's, was my, like I said, my biggest motivation for it was that. And for, I, it didn't, I kept feeling like I'm stomping on, like we started writing stuff. You guys started writing stuff that was more, that wasn't like frenetic and, and that early punk heavy feel and fast and everything. And it it was getting better and I'm not doing these things any justice right now like this is I'm leaning I'm still in this other mentality you know I haven't made this turn and there was just a clash there like musically even you know the stuff that I was working on on the drum set the stuff that I would go down and practice was nothing that would have been done with with Mo songs and it it was just a weird feeling and I mean in all honesty it didn't you know, in the beginning with Yoke, it, everything fit and clicked and, and was really good. But I kept going even more in that direction. And again, I, I ran into the same exact problems. Like I, for some reason at the time, my concept was I, I can somehow figure out how to play a drum solo over an entire song. 
and and make it work and make it like you know grooving and all that stuff and it did it was just it was not like two guys who've been able to you know successfully do that in rock bands yes then i am not one of that well fortunately jim i i I would say you've probably found a really good spot in doing that with like all your solo stuff now now that you've like done the deep dive into recording set up a studio and now you have this outlet where you can do those things it's it's yeah it's been really cool to be able like people have asked me why like how do you you know someone talks about the grateful dead i'm like yeah i'm not really a grateful dead fan i don't listen to them at all and they're like what well okay fish yeah i like them i don't listen to them and I, i don't really listen to our style of music much anymore so how do you play with these guys i'm like well it's different playing music is not the same to me is listening to music i can i have a blast like i i get to play with this rig and do all this crap and you know think of different things to do and <laughs> it's awesome like how can why would it and but but i don't i you know i don't write a lot of songs for the band because every, everything that seems to come out of me when i write songs is like the minor key you know dark ish heavy things and so having being able to do this you know when i started recording and and writing and all that stuff and like just getting it it's just whatever comes of the music that i write i don't really care about because i just want to write it that's all that really matters like i and it's it's that same thing like just following that muse you know what i mean and doing it for the sheer love or pursuit of joy of playing music yeah i mean i i I get that because you know like i have like all these different like I, i don't bring everything i write to mo because i don't it just doesn't i have all these other things that are like i just write what i feel like writing and it doesn't always end up being something that's really something that would just work in the bands you know yeah same yeah everybody it's has hard to find that. that i mean we you know long time words nothing is not a mo song we, we made the statement you know everything we can anything can be in it, and it's like it that's is really... until it's not because we, now yeah. we have a catalog and now that there's clearly things that work in the setting of mo you know, with us five guys that are talking right now, there are things that work and there are things that don't. There are songs that I've written that I think we can play and we can crush. There are songs that I've written that there's no way, you know, unless yeah. Vin buys a whole other kit and learns <laughs> how to play double kick and like all that stuff. Like unless everybody changes how they play. Right. And I, I get it all the time. Like, I, are, they, are these going to be Mo songs? I'm like, have you listening to some of these songs? No. <laughs> like they're not. First of all, like the instrumentation, I can't play vibes and remember the exact same time and sing. No, that's not right. going to happen. Like listen to them. They, they clearly there are ones that yeah, we can we can do and they would sound awesome. There's clearly ones that just no, it's not. They're probably most of the stuff is never going to be played live, which is I'm fine with. That's okay. Yeah. You know, again, there's there's an outlet for it, and you have that that space where you can do it. And I think it's great. It's it's awesome that you're sharing it, and people are excited about that. Yeah, and I don't make anything off. It. <laughs> <laughs> right. Welcome to the big leagues. Yeah. But I, I, you know, I, I, I'm I have no plans of stopping. So you know, it all goes up. What else are you gonna do? Yeah. Though I mean, that's kind of it. It's fun. I love it. And I, I, I get to just get, do ridiculous things with some of the stuff. I mean, I'd love to play live. If I ever, you know, if I win the lottery, yeah, I'll go and hire a bunch of guys and take the hit and just do, play the shit <laughs> into an empty house. I don't care. It would be cool. But, <laughs> you know, at this, at this point, like, I just can't see. I, I, I tried. Room, to, yeah. the room clearer. 
And I'd be, I'll be fine with that. I just want to, you know, if I could hear it live, that'd be cool. If I can't, I'm good with it either way. Right. Right. Well, okay. there, I feel like there's so much more we could dig into with this. Do a part um, two. Yeah, seriously. We didn't even get up to, we glossed over so many things. I don't, <laughs> I'm willing to do a part two. Yeah, we might have to do a part two for this one. We'll uh, have to get to that. But at this point, I think we've exhausted uh, Vinny. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for your time, Jim. I think Vinny's exhausted from this. <laughs> yeah. He's been stretching out and stuff. He's good. All right. Well, thank you for your time. And uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. This has been Moe's Pod Crash. And remember, Vin. Actually, Chuck. No way. (laughs) (laughs) Give it a shot. Come on. Um, No gig is confirmed until the band is on stage playing. Did better than I did. This has been Pod Crash, the original podcast by the members of the band Mo. We'd like to thank you once again for listening. We hope you all enjoyed yourself. And I personally want to send out a heartfelt apology to Mr. Tim Bryant for messing up his last name. Thank you all again, and we'll see you all next time. 